Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Later in the show, oh, this is exciting, we'll be hearing from Joe Hunter, who's the chief food lover, that's her official title, the chief food lover at Piglet's Pantry in Sussex, which supplies a number of football clubs with pies and more. I can't wait. Well, I have to say I can't wait. We've already done it, Kieran. It was very good. So we know <laughs> um, <clears throat> but before that, it's Newsday. And <laughs> be still my beating heart, Kieran. Guess who we're starting with? Um, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, everybody. It's currently 10.40 Wednesday morning. It's raining outside, so I'm happy. But by the time you listen to this, it could be, it could be that the Derby County saga has all but finished in a good way. Except, of course, Kieran, it wouldn't be Derby County without a last-minute twist in the story. And this last-minute twist was supplied by one Paul Stretford, agent to one Wayne Rooney. Yes, yes. So let, let, let's start off with the with the potential good news. And again, you know, we're both hoping by the time the show goes out on Thursday that uh, Derby County will have had its assets sold by the administrators to uh, to David Clowes and his company, which is called Totem Nuco Limited. Uh, so I had to dig that out on, on Company's House. Um, certainly all, all the people that have contacted us and we've contacted, it seems to think there's... It, it, it's scheduled now. Scheduled and, and uh, uh, scheduled and delivered aren't the same thing. So, yeah. so you know, fingers crossed, <clears throat> and th- then we can move forwards. Um, we we have said on the show that uh, Chris Kirchner didn't pay the wages in May, yeah. and we know <clears throat> that the administrators didn't have the funding uh, to pay them themselves. So, therefore, there had to be a third party. Um, and, and again, we were aware that uh, it was somebody connected. To somebody at the club, um, and it looks like uh, the the S three agency, as it's known, uh, Paul Stretford, who is Wayne Rooney's agents, um, have uh, have provided the resources. Now I'm choosing the words carefully. Have provided the resources through which the wages for May have been paid, and that that is important because if uh, if Paul Stretford's agents agency had paid the wages, I think there would have been. A, a, a potential serious breach of FA regulations. Um, but if they have lent money to the administrators and the administrators have lent them, have, sorry, have then used those that, that loan to pay the wages, 
then it's less of an issue. Um, the vibes I'm picking up from Pride Park was that was the method which was used uh, from which to pay wages, which I think <clears> is good news. Um, has there been a breach of football association regulations? I, I think what we've got to say here is it could be a perhaps. Uh, if, if so, it's probably a, a technical breach because um, if you are an agency then you are not allowed to have any influence over uh, a football club. And if, if you're not supposed to influence a football club, then lending money through which wages could be paid, could that deemed to be a breach? Possibly. We don't know what the, the, the stance will be taken by the FA. I think it would be very harsh if the, uh, if, if the FA then decided they were going to sanction the club uh, so I'm hoping for a bit of common sense here uh, from the FA, yeah, finger-wagging, yeah, exceptional circumstances, don't do it again, and uh, you know, perhaps have a word with uh, the agency. But I, I, I believe that the agency, uh, uh, the S3 agency, has contacted the football authorities, so they've tried to be uh, proactive. Um, they said they're disappointed that it came out uh in the press um yeah which is which is another reason why why we've kept our mouth shut yeah uh because you know ultimately the most important thing here is is the derby county deal to go through <clears throat> see the, the the press being the press kieran that we have are less sanguine about the possibility of there being no sanctions they, they obviously they want it to be a bigger story and they're talking about potential <laughs> potential points deductions What's interesting, Kieran, is I can confirm to our listeners that when you said on air that you were going to tell me afterwards who it was, you did say it was that you understood it was Wayne Rooney's agent that had uh, somehow paid the wages. And I, uh, and possibly you, because you're not cynical, I thought, well, that's a, a, a good thing. That's well done. If, if Wayne Rooney's involved and asked him to do that, that's brilliant. They've kept the club going. That's a positive thing. Uh, a couple of people phoned me, including a TV producer friend of mine who's a huge Derby fan, home and away, to say, I know you can't tell me who it is, but it's it, we think it's Wayne Rooney, and that just proves what a brilliant man he is. But then <clears throat> the Telegraph broke the story, and the way they spin it is that, that uh, Rooney or, or Stretford paid the wages that month in order to prop up Chris Kirchner's failing bid for the club because they had possibly some kind of arrangement with Kirchner going forward about Wayne Rooney's tenure as manager, about money that would be available. <clears throat> and if that if that if that is the case, if that's if that's the interpretation, then that's not a good thing. And the FA probably won't be that happy. And that would explain the timing of Wayne Rooney's resignation as well, wouldn't it? Yes. I mean and I think some people have you know joined the dots in respect of the uh, that, that that's that series of events. Um, again, from what I understand, Chris Kirchner is is quite good at not picking up the phone at present. Right. So right. perhaps perhaps he's perhaps he's taken a leaf out of the Quantumar book of deliberate and strategic non communication. Um, there was there was certainly what appeared to be a, a positive relationship between Chris Kirchner and and Wayne Rooney. There were rumours, and if, and if you if you sort of go through a variety of uh, press release, well not press releases, but press stories that Paul Stretford 
would potentially have been involved uh, at a senior level at Derby. Now, whether that would have been as a consultant or whatever, and you know, the, the, I, 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 I genuinely don't want to be a cynic in relation to this. Um, you know, would that have put his agency in a more advantageous position than other agencies? Well, potentially it could have done. Uh, you know, my view is that uh, you know, I want I want Derby County to exist. I want Derby County to be yeah. playing in League One. And uh, if you if if you have to to use this method, and, and it, I think everybody got suckered in by by Chris Kirchner. Uh, you know, not 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 just uh, you know Wayne Rooney believed Kirchner in, in terms of his promises. Um, you know, the the EFL. They thought they saw proof of funds, as far as they were concerned, signed off by uh, a pretty senior institution as well uh, in, in respect of Kirchner's wealth, yeah. the same as far as Quantum are were concerned. So uh, it, it's it's a very sort of you know, old Billy Liar uh, type of scenario uh, that, uh, that we've ended up with. But big story is we're hoping that we've got a, a Derby County which is owned by somebody local who can uh, provide the funds and and reduce the uncertainty. And, and we can concentrate on talking about the usual nonsense that we talk about over the course of the summer, which is, why haven't you got your checkbook out? Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> I, or I've, I've, I've seen such and such at a, at a local branch of Greg's. It definitely <laughs> looked like that. You know, that, 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 that centre-half from, uh, <laughs> from that Portuguese club. Spitting image of him. It's got to be him. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's what we love about the summer in football. Yeah, um, there was a rumour went round Palace just after when John Terry was about to retire from Chelsea. Somebody said they'd seen him buying shampoo in the super drug in Croydon. And <laughs> therefore, he was obviously about to wash his hair in a hotel before he went to sign for Palace. Uh, yes, let's hope the FA and, the, and the, the Football League can just not pick at that scab. And let's hope that on Sunday we're able to start with the news that there is only good news from Derby. I like the, that expression, deliberate and strategic non-communication, or as Uncle Terry would say, keeping shtum. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think John Terry might might get mentioned in the next couple of stories as well, because our next <laughs> couple of stories are, are NFT-based. Uh, and it's, it's some compensation to know that if Derby disappears from our life, Kieran, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are always going to be with us. Um, and this first story really, really annoyed me when I first heard it, and it's still annoying me as well. Crawley Town have announced that their new third kit will only be available to fans who buy the club's NFTs. Yes. Uh, as some people, but not all, may be aware, Crawley Town were acquired a few months ago by a company called WAGME. Now, WAGME stands for We're All Gonna Make It. Um which I think is uh, power of positive thought, perhaps, Um, in in respect of the the perception of of people within the the crypto stroke uh, NFT uh, space. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm trying to use the jargon now. I'm trying to be down with the kids. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yes, it appears that you can only buy a a copy of the third kit via NFT, so it will be exclusive, so you won't be able to use readies. Now, how do you get your NFTs? It looks like you've got to buy your NFTs or acquire your NFTs via a cryptocurrency, so therefore you've got to exchange sterling for for crypto to get the NFTs to get the shirt. Um, so it's quite it's not 
it's not the the smoothest of routes as opposed to you know rocking up to the club shop with 40 notes and and handing it over um so it, it is exclusive and, and what wag me are, are trying to do um and I, I think i think they might be keen to come on the show actually from from vibes i've heard oh, so okay. i'm not i'm not going to uh i'm not going to be overly cynical here as you know me um what because they're you're, you're for, not cynical talking i'm, I'm not cynical exactly yeah, yeah. um they believe that there is a uh, there is a community out there um who who will want to to do this to show sort of solidarity with the with those people that are are passionate in, in their belief as uh, of crypto and uh, and nfts um and fan tokens and so on um yep my, my my reservation is that, that that there's ways of showing support, but buying a Crawley Town third kit it isn't isn't necessarily going to get get you much kudos, uh, and that that's not that's not disrespecting Crawley, uh, but you know because they they've done well to get from from non-league to establish themselves in in the EFL, um, but if. If there was a way, and, and you know, we think about the, the, the people who would like to be in this, if there was a way that I wanted to send out a message that I'm a virgin who lives with my mum, buying a Crawley Town third kit probably wouldn't be it. <laughs> and 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 then you say, well, once you've got these, you know, what, what are you going to do with your cryptocurrencies? And I don't, I don't know whether you ever saw the, the episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer exchanged his his dollars for itchy and scratchy dollars uh-huh. when they went to itchy and scratchy <laughs> land, indeed. And, and then none of none of the shops in itchy and scratchy <laughs> land took itchy and scratchy dollars. Well, that, that's my concern here. <laughs> oh, that's the analogy I'm going to use from now on. Um, <clears throat> there's two. There's two things, Kieran. The, the the first thing is you think well. They might be losing out on a bit of revenue stream here from Crawley fans who can't buy the, the new third kit. But also, what really annoyed me about this is you, you, taking over a club. That's fine. That's great. But don't then send out a message to say that the support of people in the NFT community, in the Bitcoin community, is as important as the support of Crawley Town fans. Because it's not. It, it might be financially down the line, but initially... You've just bought a club. Look after the fans of that club. There's not that many of them, God love them, but they deserve to be looked after first before people in this. It's like you know Peter McCormack, who we've interviewed, the the, the owner of uh, they're now Rail Bedford, who's who's the huge Bitcoin guru, who recently issued a press release, press release saying I wouldn't buy Bitcoin at the moment if I were you. <laughs> which was slightly bizarre. Now, here's Crawley saying to their fans, see that lovely new third kit? You can't have that. Or you, if you if you want it, you, you have to become part of the cryptocurrency NFT thing that we all know is it's, – it's, it's the equivalent of Palace when we were sponsored by Manbet X saying you can't have the new third kit unless you open up an account with Manbet X and put mm. bet at least 10 pounds. It's just not – it doesn't sit well with me, Kieran, and I, I would love Wagme to come on to explain the thinking behind this because I, I I think it's the thin end of the wedge as far as Crawley's a concern. And, and you know, I'd love to see a I'd love to see someone try and do that with Man United or Liverpool's third kit. Because yes. just to see just to see the reaction. And again, on NFTs and we'll John Terry's name will be mentioned at the end of this story. Cristiano Ronaldo, who agrees to launch a lot of things, doesn't take a lot, it seems to me, to get Cristiano Ronaldo to launch something. Uh, but he's launched his own range of NFTs, and that's with cryptocurrency company Binface. That's that. That's not a name that 
inspires confidence for any even if you're supplying I, bins, I wouldn't call my company Binface. I, I think that's producer guy's auto speller not oh. working. It should say Binance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye, BAFTA. Bye bye. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even occur to me. I read it. I thought that's, that's just that's a strange name for a company. I, I didn't even Google Binface because I thought that's just been nice. Well, wasn't wasn't there a count Binface who who stood in the uh, elections? There was. Uh, well, I was thinking more Dusty Bin for the older. <laughs> Yeah, that bafflingly confusing three, two, one. Uh, but anyway, whatever it's called, <laughs> and whoever's and also, I think it reflects on the cryptocurrency companies that it didn't occur to me that Binface wouldn't be a, the sort of name they give themselves. Basically, uh, Topknot, the new cryptocurrency company, Topknot. Oh yeah, that's great. Anyway, Cristiano Ronaldo has launched his own range of NFTs. Yes. Um, so, so I, 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 I sort of did some background on this, and yeah. What are Binance trying to do by partnering with somebody such as uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? They're trying to get legitimacy and they're trying to get normalization um, for a demographic. And, and I'll be honest, I, I, was at a, I was at a conference recently uh, and it was, a, it was a law conference. And, and the person who said, right, we're going to talk about uh, crypto now, how many people have got NFTs, fan tokens, uh, cryptocurrency assets? And I was surprised at how many people did stick their hand up. But in oh, terms okay. of the demographic, that it was clearly it was it was an age related uh, demographic. You know, people who are under thirty who are using other means of making perhaps what they perceive to be uh, investment decisions. Yeah, my view is that these things are not investments, and and if you treat them as if you treat them as non investments and have fun with them. Great, yeah. I, I, I'm, but as, as investments, I'm I'm extremely twitchy. Yeah. Um, and when they said, "Yeah, well, well, we've already got, uh, yeah, we've already got Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton uh, wow. involved with Binance." Now, now, you know, you've you've got you've got Bobby Numbers for your accounting and financial advice. Indeed. Um, you know, would you would you consider ditching him for Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton? Oh, in a heartbeat. Right. Oh yeah, if only for the free tickets. Of course, I wouldn't. No, sorry, Robert. If you're listening to this, I don't mean that. <laughs> no, of course I would. But yeah, yeah. But again, Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton are in the Cristiano Ronaldo. They, they they tend to say yes before you pick up the phone. They're saying yes, yes as the phone's ringing, aren't they? Essentially. Um. So so what's going to happen here is that there's going to be a range of unique Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Pictures, cartoons. We don't know. Yeah, you know, is, is there going to be one of him winking at the referee when uh, <laughs> when he got Wayne Rooney sent off in in the Euros? Yeah, just a reminder some of some of his greatest moments. Um, so, in terms of where we are, and, and I'm not, yeah, you know, it, it is it it is a, a bear market in in most things. Uh, Bitcoin is is down seventy percent in terms of value, and the Financial Conduct Authority has said. Uh, and this this is a direct quote. If you buy crypto assets, you should be prepared to lose all the money you invest. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's it's a bit like having one of those warnings on on a on a pack of cigarettes, and 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 that really has to be uh, that that has to be got, got across that particular message. Um, for people who say, well, yeah, what happens? If, I, I'm not a Manchester United fan. Yeah, what about what about some other football players? Um, we're delighted to announce that the John Terry NFTs yeah. uh, are down ninety nine percent. On their launch value, uh, and so therefore, you know, why why on earth are people buying them? They're buying them as speculative assets, and speculative assets 
at a time when there is economic uncertainty and crisis are probably the worst things to go for because there tends to be what what we would call you know, a, a flight to tradition. So you know, people are buying gold, people are investing in Swiss, you know, putting the money in Swiss francs to uh, to, tr- to try to to minimise uh, any financial damage uh, and so on. So people tend to go for well known things which they consider to have value. Uh, if if the, if the equity markets, Bitcoin by its very nature is an unregulated, highly manipulated. And very very volatile product, um, and therefore uh, you know v- only get involved with uh, with with extreme caution. Uh, you know we we have, we have what we refer to as whales in in the crypto industry, where these are sort of individuals or groups who who can who together agree to buy or sell uh, a, a crypto asset, and that can have a huge impact on price in a very short period of time. And and that's the thing which makes me twitchy. One of my very many, many problems with uh, crypto, NFTs, and I've checked the websites of most Premier League clubs and their announcement of their engagement with their crypto partners, and they all start with a a warning about Mm. not getting involved in trading them. If you're not experienced, you could lose everything, literally. It's what it says on the Palace website, you could lose your home. But these things are marketed through football clubs at fans, most of whom probably have no experience in any sort of investment. Like I, I wouldn't know how to begin, mm. but who who think, oh, that looks a bit of fun, and then suddenly they're involved in a world they know nothing about, and and suddenly John Terry, uh, who I like as a human being, I have to say, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, John, John Terry, many occasions, uh, yeah, John Terry saying, buy these, are a bit of fun, and then six weeks later, you've bought them. You may have only, only have spent fifty quid, a hundred quid, but you've lost fifty quid, a hundred quid at yeah, a time when yeah. people can't afford to lose it, and it's, 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 it's just, oh, I can't find the right word. It's just bin face. That's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's and this is, you know, this is a story. It's not going to go away until until we start learning of people going, you know, being made destitute. It's it's very worrying, Kieran. Um, mm. Stockport County fans uh, must be very excited right now. They're back in the in the football league. I know it's a club that's quite close to your heart, Kieran, in that part of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the money that Mark Stott put into Stockport County has been converted into shares. Yes, uh, yeah. I uh, my my kids grew up in Stockport. Went to school in Stockport. Both of them for for, for their. Uh, uh, for, for all of their education, so yeah, it is somewhere, and, and I used to go along to. I mean, Ed, Edgley Park used to be great because they used to have matches on a Friday night. Of course, yeah, which uh, which yeah was for, for old school people like us was fantastic. Uh, yes, but they they they've been on pretty tough times. They they not only were were relegated from the EFL, but they they then went into the EF uh, the, the National League North. Yeah, they had a pretty uh, pretty bad time. But local businessman Mark Stott, of of whom I hear uh, very good things from uh, you know my, my friends back in Stockport, um, he has uh, invested money in the club. It, you know, get, getting out of the NFL is not the NFL, uh, the National League is <laughs> <laughs> getting out of the NFL is, is impossible because it's a close <laughs> league. Uh, get, getting out of the National League is is a challenge uh, as as we've seen because so many former EFL clubs are, are down there. Um, Practically, I think I think it's twenty three out of twenty four clubs in the National League itself are, are full time professional. Lots of the teams yeah. in National League North are full time as well. Um, so he's put money after money after money, um, and 
the club owe him £7.7 million, which right. for a club yeah, in the fifth tier of football, was in the fifth tier of football, it's a lot of money. And uh, he said, right, OK, um, I'm, I'm going to show that I'm, I'm not going to want the money back by converting into shares. And the thing about shares is that the only thing you can do with shares is to sell them to somebody else. So the club is never on the hook in right. terms of at some point in time, what happens if the owner you know, sees his ass or sees her ass about something uh, to do, you know, falls out with the fan base and says, right, I'm t- you know, toys out of pram. Um, so converting shares to equity uh, is is uh, certainly a way of uh, reducing that, uh, that arsey risk. And uh, yeah, yeah, fair play. And uh, good luck to Stockport this season. They'll they'll get decent crowds, and and they they take loads uh, to away matches as well mm. uh, by national league standards. It uh, seizes us, Kieran. This is a standard accounting term, is it? Yeah, it, it is in Manchester. Oh, yes. I see. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I can I can sort of work out what it means. But would you like to elaborate on a? Um, uh, falls out. Uh, oh, okay. Goes into a sulk. Uh, something along those lines. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, very good. Um, toy, toys out of pram, perhaps in, yeah, in a more okay. subtly way. Well, talking of going into a sulk, Kieran, this is a first world problem. I wasn't going to mention it to you, but I took a big swig of my tea, and I realised I've put oat milk in by mistake. No. Oh, I'm just drying my mouth up as we speak. I'm going to have to have a word with that. I'm slightly ashamed of the fact there's even oat milk in the fridge, but that's my son for you. <laughs> And I'm the bourgeois one in this relationship, of course. <laughs> I, my, this, my, my son is not in this relationship, Kieran. It's, it's my fault. I've raised, I've raised a hipster. <laughs> and uh, two more stories, Kieran, before we get into that really interesting interview with uh, Joe Hunter. Chelsea have informed HMRC and the FA about an issue with the club's tax affairs before the recent mm-hmm. takeover. Now, this, um, I know the word Uncle Terry would use about this, and it. <laughs> uh, also got the word arse involved in it uh, but is uh, is this standard practice here when somebody takes over a company would would they would they warn the authorities that they think there's been a problem is is this them saying this predated us nothing to do with us mate that sort of well yes i, I think uh, as far as the bowley group are concerned because they have effectively taken over the company they take over all of the company's responsibilities mm. and any legacy issues so it looks as if £100 million of the agreed price has been withdrawn uh, until these issues are resolved. Now, what exactly could we be talking about in terms of these tax affairs? First of all, they could be corporate issues. They could be to do with the uh, quite complicated structure at Chelsea. So there is Chelsea Football Club, which is owned by Chelsea FC PLC, which is owned by a company called Fordstam Limited. Uh, Fordstam appears to have borrowed a lot of money from a company called Camberley International, which is based in Jersey. The Jersey authorities have frozen £7 billion worth of assets relating to Roman Abramovich, which are located around Jersey. Um, And then who controls Camberley? There are stories, and we don't know how accurate these are, that that Camberley itself is, is controlled via a trust based in Cyprus, and if you say, well, why, why Cyprus? Uh, I, I, I used to teach in Cyprus, and it's a, yeah, it's a great place to teach. But uh, you, you don't need a visa mm. if you're Russian 
to go to Cyprus. You know, if anybody yeah. ever goes to you know to Larnaca or or, or Paphos or wherever, you, you'll notice in in the restaurants there that they're, 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 you know, they're, the languages are English, Russian, and, and sometimes German, but normally English and Russian. Um, Cyprus has a reputation as being. Europe's money laundering uh, capital, or yeah. the EU's money laundering capital. I, I don't know how accurate that is, um, but uh, this 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 long trail of issues uh, has made the Bowley Group a little bit concerned. So it could be it could be corporate tax based. Alternatively, it could be to do with something to do with with the personal tax of uh, some of the perhaps some of the executives. Uh, at Chelsea, you know, were they being paid via third parties? Has tax been deducted? Um, there are uh, a, there has been a series of investigations by HMRC with regards to player activities. Now, I've not seen anything, uh, to be honest, in, in, in respect of Chelsea, but you know, has something been uh, revealed as a part of the, the due diligence undertaken by uh, the Bowley Group? And this is normally to do with image rights contracts. So. Right. There's 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 a lot there's a lot boiling in the pot and uh, yeah what can we be certain of the lawyers and the accountants are going to do well out of this mm. I I imagine Cyprus are probably very pleased that the UK is no longer in the EU because they they haven't got that competition from London anymore to be the money laundering capital <laughs> of the EU um, this last story Kieran is a very odd one. An international mm. footballer who placed bets on his own club, quite significant bets on his own club, has escaped with a ticking off from UEFA and FIFA. Yes, this is a story which uh, this, this is uh, Matt Lawton in the Times. Yeah. Um, this is a uh, Gibraltar international player. He 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 gambled. He, he paid. He placed more than four thousand bets. Um, he is an international himself, in, including. Uh, bets on his national team to lose. Right uh, now, you know that, that, that's that's not very good. Although you think, hold on, we're talking about Gibraltar, here, yeah, so yeah. You know, you're not exactly uh, you're not going to get uh, uh, short odds on them to win. Um, but there were also some some uh, bets involving his own club. Uh, uh, one of which has been flagged up uh, under the heading match manipulation. Bet three six five, I think, have been cooperating. I think Bet three six five flagged this. They've got very uh, they've got very good algorithms uh, that, that spot things like this. So, so it does make you wonder why did it take them four thousand bets yeah. into into all of this before they said uh, this got this 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 name of this person we got on an account and that that does seem to tie up with that international player. Um, but at, at at the highest level of football, we know that football players do gamble. You know, you, you know many footballers, and yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've I've dealt with charities and so on. Um, but what they tend to do is, you know, with, with the odd exception, they don't tend to, to bet on football themselves. Yeah. At, at the lower level of football in some countries, and again, we've seen this very much be the case in cricket, um, there are sometimes financial incentives to uh, to get involved in in influencing uh, simple things such as, yeah, next throw in, uh, yellow card, uh, and so on. Uh, and it's it's difficult to police because the players are not particularly well paid, so therefore the incentives to gamble or the potential rewards of of uh, gambling uh, do do become significantly greater. So, 
Uh, that, that's not great. It, there was also an issue with regards to somebody at UEFA who appeared to have placed a load of bets and, and all he got was, again, a bit of a finger wagging. Mm. Um, you know, what, what type of signal uh, are, are we sending out here? You know, you, you've got to be like Caesar's wife, I think, if you're in football administration when, when it comes to gambling and the sport. A uh, friend of mine, comedy writer Pete Sinclair, lovely chap, uh, he likes a bet, but he's the most cautious gambler in the world. For example, he put a tenner on England to win the third test when they had 20 runs to get with seven wickets standing. Uh, <laughs> uh, he got about 40p back in his account, but he says, a win's a win. It's like, <laughs> he says, if you do that 10 times a year, it really, it really adds up. Yeah, yeah, to four pounds. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah. um, interview time, Kieran. In, in times gone by, and it's probably best not to ask many questions about what was in your halftime pie and how it got to the ground in the first place. But they're an important part of the match day experience, and we decided it was time to stop talking about agents and amortisation for a while and find out about something that really matters, chicken and mushroom or steak and ale. So we spoke to Joe Hunter, who's the founder of Piglet's Pantry, who supplied delicious hand warmers to a lot of clubs. I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Strangely, I've got more questions for you than I had for Tracy Crouch, MP, about the fan-led review into football. I've been so excited about talking to somebody who supplies pies for football ground. So it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, we do need to get this out of the way early, Joe, so we can have an amicable conversation for the rest of it. But uh, you're a Brighton fan, and you were apparently the official matchday pie sponsor of that club, weren't you? How did that happen? Indeed I am, yes. Um, Well, uh, 11 years ago now, um, we were going up to buy my son's season ticket and um, he wanted to sit in North Stand with all his mates and obviously mum had the credit card, so (laughs) I was was sponsored. Um, So we went up and I was had my hard hat on looking around. I was pretty impressed, to be fair. I mean, the stadium was pretty... Was, was actually awesome you know we hadn't had one in the town for a while um mm. so it was it was good to see it and I was just chatting saying what does community stadium mean to the club you know will you be using local suppliers and Richard Hebbard at the time just said um do you make a good pie and I was a bit like surely you've got your pies sorted out and he mentioned another competitor that I'm not going to say who it is <laughs> um, that he'd put them in the bin the day before because they were horrific and oh. Could I please design some better ones? And then he would buy them. And um, that, as they say, is the, the conversation that led to Piglets being properly born. We were a very small uh, bakery in Shoreham up to that point. And then we um, we went to through several rounds, 100 pie-offs around the country, I think it was, three local suppliers. Um, we were one of them that were put forward. 
and you get that magic nine o'clock Monday morning, you've got the gig. And wow. uh, you now need to make two and a half thousand pies when you only make about 100 in your little bakery um, back at home. So, um, yeah, the pies were actually designed in my kitchen. Um, and we did take on that project um, that changed my life, really. Um, and that's where it all started. And um, <clears throat> my children have always been Brighton fans. I was later to the table having joined through Piglets, but I now am a, a staunch Brighton fan um, as well, as well as supplying all the pies there. Um, and yeah, the first opening game, Tottenham, I think it was friendly, um, lots of tears and, and goosebumps and things. Uh, we made two and a half thousand pies, which is more than the average sold originally um, at that size stadium. And we sold out within five minutes we didn't even get to you know to opening the turnstiles properly they were sold right. out and we were like okay we're making them well. all by hand all by hand at this point so um it was a bit of a labor of love and we got to sort of five thousand the next game didn't hit kickoff and then eventually got to sort of seven and a half thousand and was asked politely to leave the stadium by the head chef to go and find some premises please um so that's what we did and it, it hit ten thousand before we hit a ceiling at brighton have albion which was a, an absolute record and completely unbelievable and and a true testament to uh, both the fans and to our wonderful people that make the pies really wow and in those early days did you used to hide in the kitchen or did you walk around the ground in disguise checking how people were eating the pies and enjoying them no, it's such a blur i didn't have time i was too busy hand crimping ten thousand pies i mean <laughs> uh, did i have time to watch the football absolutely not at that point i might have saw five minutes of the game and um, lots of people stopping me saying these pies are amazing but i was mostly busy making them at that at that stage so yeah uh, that's high on the list of things I wasn't expecting to hear someone say today. I was too busy hand crimping 10,000 pies. Um, <laughs> talk us through some of the other clubs you supply pies to now, Joe, because it's quite an impressive list, isn't it? It is. Sorry I didn't get that all together for you because we've got so many we keep adding to the list every week. That's all right. Really. Um, we started pre-COVID with about 70 events across the UK and then obviously COVID hit and we had to reinvent ourselves with online afternoon teas, which was also spectacular. Um, we came back post-COVID, we've got 220 events across the UK now um, and those include 14 Premier League football clubs. So we, um, we supply the likes of Chelsea, Leicester Football Club, Wolves, AFC, um, uh, AFC Wimbledon is a new client. I was just going to mention them. We yeah. go as far and wide as Scotland, so we've been up to Rangers. Um, and we do also supply rugby um, across at Principality. We do a little bit of work with Twickenham. Um, it's it's pretty far spread now. So um, lots and lots of um, clubs across the UK now have come over to the pink side and um, <laughs> and have joined Piglets in their passion for making good products and um, feeding people well. So, yeah, it's been quite a movement, really. It's been slow slow progress the first few years because we were busy trying to set the new premises and we've moved mm. about four times now. So we weren't really in a position to really kind of take on the market in a, in a good way. But now we are and we're in a new 28,000 square foot building. It's purpose built for the for the whole purpose of us being able to grow. So now we can supply and serve many clubs across the land, including uh, we do some Henderson Sostrols for Sheffield, which is amazing. Wow. So we have lots of little quirks and things going on all over all over the country, really. I, just, I, I was going to ask you about Scotland later on, actually, because I've got no idea what goes into a Scotch pie. But I do love a Scotch pie. I don't like to ask. But so, are you producing, you know, Scotch Scotch pies for them, or are you trying to introduce them to your 
range of Absolute, stuff. Absolutely not. Scot- Scotland do their scotch pies very well and yeah. it's quite a unique process. So, no, we're not making scotch pies for Scotland. Um, they do that extremely well out there and I wouldn't even begin to impose on that kind of work, really. Um, it is quite unique. Their pastry is very unique and their flavours and what they do with their meat is quite unique as well. It's got something called mace in there and it's, a, it's quite a unique flavour. Yeah. Um, we actually sell our own pies to them and um, we've started that. So some, it's a very new project, Scotland. So we've done some uh, some of our hospitality pies, which you would see in, as they call the Prawn Sandwich Brigade. Um, you would see those up in the hospitality section at Hampton Park. We've done a bit of work there. Um, and Rangers, it's still very early days. We started um, we started kind of supplying into small areas to see if they would like our products and got a lot of good reviews on Twitter, which is always good. Um, so, yeah. It's, we are a football finance pod, Joe, so we do need to talk about the economics, if you don't mind. But I think that, that that's a lot of clubs that you, you provide pies. And I think most football fans, even now, still assume that their pies are, are coming from a kind of huge mass producer and that's obviously not the case is it no that's not the case at all we have very small amount of machinery here we're still very much a handmade process all of our uh, sausage rolls are still made by hand as well and so we are not a push button as i call it a push button manufacturer we don't really see ourselves as a manufacturer we're all chef-led i'm a pastry chef by trade and my son who um supports and um helps all the chefs make the fillings has uh, was self-taught as a chef so we are all chef-led um we make really good quality products on mass is what i say so i would see us as a very much as a food producer um we're not we're not small enough to be artisan anymore because we are we are making a lot of products now mm. but we're certainly not on the lines of putting things down line machines that you see on um the greg wallace shows and things it's nothing like that at all um in fact if he wants to pop down i'll show him um, how to make them properly by hand that'd be great um I, so I, yeah, I, would, I, would, I would be careful what you wish for because you, <laughs> you, you'll lose a whole day while greg tries to flirt with you Joe, essentially <laughs> but I'll, I'll pass that message on to him how does how does it work getting a contract for a new club do you approach a club to say we can do you a better pie for the same money or are clubs putting their contracts out to tender do you know, most of my um, last 11 years has been through words of mouth. So oh, okay. chefs they, they chefs move around, they, they move to other places, and then they promote you. Or people will come to somewhere where they've had an event and say, where did you get that product from? Or where did you get that scotch egg from? Or where did you get that sausage roll from? And literally people come to us and email us and say, we, we found your product at... Can we, can we come along and have a look or can you come along and, and talk to us? And I think we had at one point we were going to go and approach Lords um, with our sausage rolls. And literally, I kid you not, the, the Monday after uh, we were about to go and talk to them, they'd been at Twickenham and they rang us and said, those sausage rolls, can we have them please? So oh, wow. we've been very fortunate in the fact that, fortunate, well, you make your own luck, I suppose, but um, our products speak for themselves. And most people come to us saying, we would like to try those products. And again, we've won quite a lot of awards as well. So we've um, we've won the Stadium and Business Awards twice. We've won one silver, one we won first. And then people do approach us at places like that too. So when you kind of you know you are out there um, going to a lot of these sort of awards evenings, you do meet people and CEOs do quite often come up and have a chat. Um, that's how I met Hull. So we support Hull, and they came over and said, "Oh my God, you know these products are amazing. Can you come and see us?" So mm. we generally most of our work is done through word of mouth. So we don't go out and do big pitches. There are occasions when we do, 
um, and people will come along. But it's usually after we've supplied for a while and they want to take it across the rest of their group or they'll want to do it in other right. places and then we need to tender for it. Um, and when you're working out a deal with these clubs, would each of them have an optimum price for the pie? So, for example, would Chelsea say our fans will pay a fiver for a pie? Well, Hull will say our fans won't pay more than £3.50. It's partly that and partly it will be what they've been used to buying. So we have two challenges. One is a challenge, obviously, of the um, person who's buying that's going to the football every game. But as I've proved time and time again, you know, people will pay um, a good price for a good product. If, if it's served well and, you you know, you have the right product, then people will pay for it. Um, but our education has been where people have been used to paying absolutely nothing for um, pies. And as you can you can see, some of the, you know, old, um, the old kind of style pies that came along, there wasn't much meat content in them or they weren't particularly produced what I would call in a, in a in, it's not something you would go and buy in a restaurant, put it that way. Um, so I think it's, the education has been around us having to try and, you know, compete, which is hard, especially with rising prices of food at the moment. It is tough. Um, but at the same time, being sort of like putting our line in the sand and saying, no, we can't afford to make that for 50p less. We just can't. That's just not going to happen. Right. So we have to be, we have to cut our cloth accordingly. We have to put our line in the sand and say, no, we can't afford to do that. Um, and you know, in the main, some people will say we can't afford to to take that on, or they don't believe that their customers will pay more money for it, or they're just happy to make the margins they're making, and they they will just you know stick with what they've got, and that's absolutely fine. It's not for everybody, mm, um, yeah. but we are gradually winning people over with our our um, you know kind of our products, and I think as soon as chefs taste them, they are always. You know, very happy as you mentioned before. You know, we make all our own fillings. So the the chicken and mushroom pie you mentioned will have our own bechamel made in it. That's quite unusual for our industry. Yeah. People don't normally make big batches of bechamel in wrap pans. You know, by chefs to make that pie as good as it can be. Mostly, they're they're doing things in big machinery, and it's it's completely different ethos from what we do. Um, and for that, you have to pay. Obviously, labour's not cheap, so yeah. Of course. Um, and do you notice regional patterns in town? I mean, are you selling more vegan pies at Brighton, for example, than you might do at Leicester? Um, that's a good question. I think the um, plant-based movement, the vegan movement, is a big one. I think it is becoming, um, you know, something that we all need to pay attention to, and we've all got a responsibility to look at that. Um, we've moved all of our vegetarian products across to completely plant-based. So we have um, meat options and we have plant-based. Um, we've also looked at changing our pastry. So our pastry is plant-based, believe it or not. Um, so that, that surprises some people. Um, but we've worked really hard on the things we can do something about without compromising on the quality and the taste. So to answer your question, there's a lot of um, people buying more plant-based and it is increasing, but not as big as you'd expect it to be. It's still the steak and ale at Brighton is still the best seller. So what we are doing this year is we're introducing a steak and sweet potato, which is a 50-50 split on meat and veg. Um, We are testing that out on the market to see if they will respond well to that. And we're hoping to bring people on a journey. So rather than saying you have to eat plant-based vegetarian only or you have to have meat, um, trying to move people to a middle ground where we can all start to feel okay. We're making better decisions. We're not quite there yet, but we're making better decisions. Yeah, and our clubs asking you to do that is one question, yes. and also uh, economically, is it is it cheaper to produce a plant based pie than a meat based one? 
Um, yes and no. I mean, it depends what you're putting in the product as always. Right. So if you're using corn-based products or alternatives to meats then no they are much more expensive and interestingly they can be quite pricey um, but our meat costs in this country due to various factors in the last few months and in the last year have gone through the roof so for us to try and maintain pricing to try and maintain costs so people can afford to pay we are introducing so it's a two twofold process really one we want to do it it's the right thing to do but secondly it will help with the increased costs that are going on in the market. And in, in in terms of numbers, what's the ratio? If so, if you've got a crowd, if you know, for example, uh, a football club has twenty five thousand fans each home game. How many pies do you supply for twenty five thousand people? It varies across each ground. To be honest with you, at Brighton they still buy around seven and a half thousand to eight thousand pies a match, um, and that's as generally we sell out. So it's about twenty eight to thirty thousand um, crowd there. Um, Somewhere like Leicester, it would be around, they buy about 6,000 products, but then their best seller is the Red Leicester Sausage Roll, so, right. which they, they also sell equally as many of those. So it does vary across every single ground is different. It depends what offering they have. So there's an awful lot more. The one good thing I found in, in, in spending time in this world is that the um, stadiums are really kind of, putting some really good food out you know there's a lot more mm. offering now than there used to be it used to be just the pie and bottle back in the day um but now you have some some really good sort of street food offerings and i think they have been become you know a lot more um interested in offering retail food and they've recognized that obviously there's a lot of people um that don't sit in hospitality that actually would quite like to eat a nice meal so mm. i think it depends on the offering of each club as well some clubs offer some really good opportunities to um you know try some new food out so it depends on what the mix is really i'm, I'm a bit worried about you saying the steak pie is the best seller at brighton because uh, i've been telling kieran for two years that brighton fans only eat quinoa it's <laughs> so going to be holding them out. Uh, talking about back in the day, Joe, do you find football fans still resistant to change? And I, I, when I was growing up in my part of South London, there was a particular pie, it, and it confused me because the, the the lovely man who ran the chip shop that I grew up nearby was called Peter. So I assumed that Peter's pies were his, but they weren't. But we had Peter's pies, and they managed to pull off this brilliant trick of having scaldingly hot pastry like geologically hot pastry and tepid lukewarm meat inside which is how I like my pies that's how I grew up with my if my pies haven't got a little silver foil bit on the bottom then I get confused how, how do you find that football fans are kind of stuck in their ways and they tend not to try new products Yes, I think I think that is very true. I think they um, they definitely are. Uh, there's definitely people that do the same thing every single match day and have done it for the last 30, 40 years, however long they've been going. Um, that is still the case. So they'll they'll have very staunch ideas about. Some people will definitely want the chicken gammon leek pie, and they want it at the same kiosk, and they really <laughs> yeah. they'll be absolutely mad if they can't get it from that kiosk because there's not enough stock in there. Um, so there are definitely um, there are definitely people that still do that. I think that's quite quite a common thing, you know. I still quite like to, like to wear my hats and stuff and make sure that I've got my you know my lucky things with me. So I think that is a that's endemic in in, in anybody who goes to watch their clubs play. Really, well, I mean, if you're if you're tuning up at half time and you can't get your pie, then you're convinced it's your fault that you don't win the game eventually. Pies, there's such a serious business now, Joe. I, I was amazed by how many pie comparison websites there are my my favorite being 
<laughs> I discovered yesterday because there's an interview review on one um, one called Pirate, which says underneath says pie fans ahoy, which I like, and they rate your pies very highly. But people take the pie experience very seriously. I mean, clubs like Wigan, for example, who are immensely proud of their pies, and across. Uh, the northwest, especially, so it's it's an interesting one. So people are locking out for your pies, aren't they? It's not just it's not just word of mouth anymore. There are people talking about your pies, rating your pies, judging your pies, which is a kind of must be a strange thing for you. Yeah, it's like I've um yeah my, my baby's gone out there and I've let it out in the world is how it feels sometimes. Yeah, and I like the fact that um, sometimes social media can be good and bad, obviously, but I do like the fact that fans can speak to us directly and they can talk to us about you know their experiences. Um, quite often, people will um, put their own club in there and say, "Why aren't you buying these pies?" Which is lovely. Um, but yeah, it, it is. A, it's an impassioned subject. It's mm. um, you know, it is a really big subject, and people have very definite ideas about what a pie should be. Um, so you know, you mentioned up north. I mean, Morecambe um, have won several. We, we seem to compete them at quite a lot of the British Pie Awards um, yeah. uh, up there. So they they certainly would be up there with um, you know the same sort of process, handmade products, etc. Um, some people have very definite ideas about what pastry should be, whether it should be made with, you know, um, animal fats or non-animal fats. So there is an awful lot of discussion around, you know, what makes a perfect pie and what would make a perfect football match, really. Yeah, I, two more questions for you, Joe, because I appreciate you taking time to talk to us. The first one I have to ask you, I really have to ask you this. Where do you stand on people? I'm not saying me, but maybe people like me who may buy one of your lovely, beautiful pies and the first thing they do is put a big hole in the top and squirt ketchup in it. <laughs> I try not to try not to cry. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, you know, I, I'm really open minded about things like that. I see it happen quite a lot all over the ground, uh, not just that, but mustard. And people have very definite ideas about how they want to eat their pies. I'm not judging. Um, if that's what keeps you happy and, and makes your match day experience extra special, then absolutely crack on. I, I'm not gonna not gonna judge you for it. I think everyone has their own particular ways of um, eating things, and we should just leave them to it. Well, in in my defence, Joe, I have to say, my my mum, God rest her soul, was the worst cook you've ever met in your life. She was a terrible cook. She she used to produce this stew that looked like paraffin on a puddle. But so my dad and I basically got through fifteen years by putting ketchup <laughs> on everything, essentially, and it's a habit I've never been able to get out of. But <laughs> it's, it's but I know the octave. It's just a little tiny squirt, but it just seems like to. It just seems to bring out the flavors. <laughs> just enhances the flavors. Um, last question: What's I mean? What's next for you, Joe? Will you will you not rest until all ninety two clubs in the English Football League are are selling your pies at half time? Um, to be honest, um, that would be lovely if they wanted to buy from us. That'd be amazing. But I think our we've te- we've kind of moved into different directions now. So um, not just the football world, but certainly in into other areas. So we are working with the likes of um, the Merlin Group with Chessington and places like that. Oh, okay, so right. we are we're diversifying quite massively at the moment. So I think as much as um, you know the, the 
the football world is is definitely taken us by um, by storm, and we are doing a lot of work for the football clubs. The rest of the year, it's quite nice to have other things that balance that out. So we're looking at trying to balance out the um, the growth of the company, so we have plenty of work all year round, really. So that's what we're doing currently. Um, and also, I mentioned the afternoon teas. So yeah. that part of the market has um, we've got a whole new pastry section now of ten people that are making beautiful cakes and beautiful afternoon teas that go around the country and also um, serve people at Goodwood. Um, and um, we're certainly um, working with um, people like that too. So that's always um, good too. And, and they're all available. I mean, our listeners can just go to your website and get a lovely afternoon tea for themselves, can't they? Would I mean, Actually, I, it does occur to me two things. I mean, would you do a strawberry pie for Wimbledon, for example? And you mentioned Lords earlier. I, I presume... At Lords, you would be able to charge, or they would be able to charge a little bit more for a pie than most football grounds. Would that be true? Um, yeah, I think the, the the retail price is very different across the country. So, um, so you know, I think the most expensive I think I've, I've seen our pie charge for is six pound fifty. Crikey! Um, yeah, exactly. But central London areas, I won't right. mention the clients, but central London areas tend to charge more money. But then, you know, they are. Um, they're in those kind of arenas for that reason, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, strawberry pie sounds interesting. Um, I haven't got into sweet pies yet, really, particularly. We've done a few smaller ones, but we haven't done any large sort of sweet pies yet. But we do do lots of handmade, hand-raised quiches for Wimbledon. Um, um, so, yes, we do uh, lots of other stuff and cannolis and sweet stuff, so fish rolls, etc. So that type of thing that would work well for an afternoon tea market, we do quite a lot of that sort of work, really. Uh, Joe, it's been really lovely to talk to you. It's been really interesting insight. I can, uh, producer guy doesn't like us doing product placement, but I can wholeheartedly endorse your sausage rolls. Oh my God, they're good sausage rolls. And a chicken <laughs> and mushroom pie. That's fantastic. I, as I say, it's better than the one I had in Stoke in 1994. And I didn't think I'd ever say that. But thank you for talking to us. Um, and the best of luck with all your endeavours in the future. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. I found that a really interesting interview, Kieran. There's, a, there's two things to come out of it. First of all, I'm so disappointed to learn that, that Brighton are still carnivores when it comes to pies. <laughs> Discovering that the steak pie was the most that's really it won't stop me taking the Mickey out of you. Obviously, no, no, is, no, but, no. you know that you've got that up your sleeve. Um, the, the second thing, uh, and this is a one-off, because uh, obviously at the end I, I was doing my I was I was angling for freebies. Saying, come on out, Joe. You've had a, you've, had, you know, you've mentioned the product. There must be something in it for us. And she went, no, well, you two, you two are fine. Why don't, why don't I offer something to your lovely listeners? So, um, as a one-off special offer, not to be repeated, as a consider it a summer present from us and from Joe. If you order something from uh, Piglet Pantries and you use the code POFP15, uh, POFP15, then you will get fifteen percent off that order. Not to be repeated. One-off present from us as a thank you for listening. But it was a really interesting interview because, again, it's one of those things. You have your pie at halftime, uh, and I do apologise for squirting ketchup into it, but I can't stress enough how bad I cook my <laughs> mum my mom was. You are only being that she spent, the last, she spent the last 10 years of her life as a chef in an old folks' home, mate. <laughs> clearly, they loved something you didn't have to chew. But it's, um, 
<laughs> but it's because you, you do take it for granted. It, it doesn't occur to you to think about the margins. To think, you just kind of think these pies turn up in a van. You, you don't know where they're made. You don't know what the money involved is. But it's really interesting to hear about the fact that some clubs are happy to charge £6.50 for one of the pies and other mm. clubs wouldn't go anywhere near that. Yes, yeah, and uh, yeah, we, yeah, we are grateful for Joe, and, and it's, it's great to know that the art of hand crimping still exists, isn't it? In in twenty first century, yeah, it it it, it's, it is actually, it, it, you know, in a world of mass industrialization and bin face, it's nice to know that there's somebody hand crimping pies that. That John Major would like that as well, wouldn't he? He's, he's summer afternoons on a cricket green, maiden cycling by on the way to hand crimp a pie before even song. Uh, puts a spring in your step. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that would be very kind of you. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Uh, well, uh, first of all, thank you uh, to Joe for uh, for being so nice to us. Uh, because we we we'll be honest, we we have tasted the pies. Um, yeah, we, we're not we we are under the influence of of a good pie now. <laughs> uh, and and I, I I won't. I am so fastidious. I won't have a steak and ale pie because it's got the word ale in it, which uh, which right. which I suspect. To eat. Yeah, I don't know anything about alcohol. Uh, but I suspect I'd still be able to drive home, even if I had two of them, which which on occasion I'm very tempted to do. Um, but th- thanks for all the support for the show. Uh, as always, we do appreciate it. Uh, Patreon is is one vehicle through which you can support the show. Uh, another one is to go on to your um, is, is to go on to your app. Here comes Finley, um, and <laughs> and give us some form of review. Uh, if you think we're worth five stars, uh, that's that's fantastic. Um, it, it it doesn't matter. What you uh, what you say on 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 the review? Uh, yeah, and we're approaching the summer holidays, so under those circumstances, it, we say it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who prepares or who produces the show, or even who presents it. But we'd rather see it presented by Flegel, Bingo, Drooper, and Snorky <laughs> from the Banana Splits. <laughs> that was a weird program for a Saturday morning, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I love the fact Finley comes in as soon as you mention pies. Finley's, <laughs> yes. Finley's in. <laughs> I also, I just, I'm sorry, I'm just chuckling at your notion that you could perhaps try and fool the police officer who accuses you of driving under the influence. But so I've had ten steak and ale pies. It's, you, you'd be fine, Kieran. Even you would be out. Right. In fact, the chicken and mushroom pie. I think the chicken and mushroom pies I grew up on in my local chip shop. I think vegans could have ate the chicken and mushroom pies <laughs> from my local chip shop. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. Bye, son, for the